This is an All Ears English podcast, episode 1396. Does culture shock scare you? The Wandering Ravens are here to help. Welcome to the All Ears English podcast, downloaded more than 150 million times. Are you feeling stuck with your English? We'll show you how to become fearless and fluent by focusing on connection, not perfection. With your American hosts, Lindsay McMahon, the English adventurer, and Michelle Kaplan, the New York radio girl, coming to you from Colorado and New York City, USA. Today, we chat with Eric and Grace Coleman, the Wandering Ravens, about their life as digital nomads and how to overcome the feeling of culture shock. Get their amazing tips today. Today, we have two guests on the show, Eric and Grace Coleman, who are also known as the Wandering Ravens. They travel and live all around the world and are also copywriters. They even have a YouTube channel with great videos about traveling. Now, let's meet the Wandering Ravens. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, we're doing so good. Glad to have you on the show. Guys, we are so lucky because today we have Eric and Grace Coleman on the show, aka the Wandering Ravens. How's everything going, guys? We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having us on. We're, ex we're so excited to be hanging out with you today. Everything is going really well over here, besides the drizzly and breezy weather that we've been experiencing in France lately. That's right. So you guys are in France right now, but that is not the only place you live, right? So tell me a little bit about yourselves because you have such an interesting story. And guys, before this interview, I was telling Eric and Grace that I envy them so much. They are so amazing and all the traveling they do. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your story. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> we started out in South Korea in February of 2017. We moved there and we lived in South Korea for two years where we both worked as English teachers. And so I guess ah. kind of similar to what you guys do. Yeah. Uh, but we worked in elementary schools oh. working with kids. And then after two years there, it was time to move back to the States. But at that point, we had kind of gotten the travel bug. Yeah. And decided, you know what, let's figure out a way to keep this going for a while. So That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Worked out really well. We started a, a travel copywriting company. And then that enabled us to work as digital nomads. And so now what we do is we just move around. We do what we call slow traveling, where you go to a place and you just stay in a country for, you know, a maximum visa time, which is usually three months. And then you move from country to country in that way. That is incredible. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is just such a great way to go about life that you guys have been able to find a way to do this. So do you think you're going to be doing this for the foreseeable future? Is there any place that you've been where you think, hmm, maybe we'll just stay here for longer. We want to we keep this going. Oh boy. Well, I'd say most of the places that we visited, we would love to return to and spend a lengthy period of time in. I know we definitely foresee this uh, whole slow traveling thing going on for at least a few more years. We really enjoy it and we enjoy being able to 
do this alternate form of traveling, as we said, slower so that we get to spend longer in each destination. We'd love to go back to Korea as well as Japan yeah. and the UK. Yeah, pretty much everywhere I feel like we've been, <laughs> we would love to go and spend more time there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I can only imagine. Yeah, I, the, I, I've lived abroad a couple of times, but I've never just, you know, traveled from place to place and said, okay, I'm, I'm just living here for a while, and then I'm going to go to the next place and live there for a while. What's maybe the hardest part about what you guys do? So the hardest part would be, I guess, the, the thing we're going to be talking about in this interview, yeah. culture shock. And so because we're spending three, you know, three to six months in each location that we visit. That means that we go through culture shock basically every time we land in a place. Because if you're only going to be in a place for a week on a holiday, then that doesn't really give you enough time to get into the the rougher parts of culture shock. And so every time we touch down a new place, it's always a little bit of a challenge to start to feel at home. But we've, we've learned how to to get through that and flourish even despite those little challenges. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, so definitely let's talk more about culture shock today. I bet that our listeners have really experienced culture shock a lot. You know, we talk about that a little bit on the show. Um, It can be hard. You can feel lonely, homesick, all sorts of different things uh, when you're experiencing culture shock. So yeah, I'd love to talk more about that with you guys today. So. I don't know. Let's just start off by discussing culture shock a little bit more. I mean, what exactly? Let's dive into it more. What is it, and and how do people feel when they feel a culture shock? And uh, some experiences that maybe you've had. Absolutely. So with culture shock, uh, the way we've experienced it is it has several distinct stages. And so the first one is the honeymoon stage, and that's the one that everyone feels. You touch down in a place, and you just, you're just you so glad that you're there. Everything is wonderful and glitzy and shiny. You know, you're in Paris, and the baguette tastes so good, and you don't even <laughs> notice the pigeons. Yeah, everything, you're viewing everything in your new destination or your new home through rose-colored glasses. Everything yeah. is amazing and mm-hmm. just so romantic and all of that. Yeah, and then, definitely you're there for a little bit longer and then you move into what we call the frustration stage. And this is where the fatigue of living abroad kind of catches up with you and has you growling things like, Oh, what the heck am I doing here? Under your breath. (laughs) Yeah. You start noticing the pigeons. You start getting a little bit upset when people jostle you in the street. Yeah. And this is where a lot of people, you know, sometimes just end up going home or, yeah, they become kind of resentful and bitter towards the host culture that they're in. Yeah. Uh, but if you do it right and you don't let yourself become bitter, then you can make it through the next stage, which is the adjustment stage. And this is where, this is what really makes or breaks you and that are you going to put in the work to start to feel at home in your new culture? And if you yeah. do, then you can stop feeling frustrated by cultural differences, and that puts you into the assimilation stage, where you finally feel a sense of home in your new country, and you, you're finally back to saying things like, oh, I'm so glad I moved here. <laughs> so you do kind of come back around. Um, what 
I mean, since you guys have lived in places for a longer period of time, when do you think that romantic feeling, those rose-colored glasses, when do you think those things start to fade away and the culture shock comes in? Would you say it's different for every place or is it usually, can you say, oh, usually about three weeks in or something like that? Have you noticed any patterns? Oh, yeah. It probably is after a couple weeks and when you start to get into your new routine. So suppose you're going to be in a place for a longer period of time than just a week holiday or something like that. So if you're going to be in this place for an extended period of time, usually it does start to set in when you kind of get comfortable in your new routine and everything Mm -hmm. begins to get normal again. Mm -hmm. So the whole excitement, the excited feeling of just being in a new place where everything is new and foreign to you kind of wears off and then you start to settle into this new routine. But the the only thing is this routine is different from the routine you're used to because people do things differently in the new, the new culture that you're in. And so, yeah, I'd say it is a couple weeks in for us. It was probably when we moved to Korea, maybe it was about three weeks in or so that we started to just settle into that routine and notice and start to be like, oh, no, get frustrated with certain mm-hmm. things. Yeah, mm. the differences, the bad differences start standing out at that point. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I wonder if, okay, so if I take a long trip, if I know my trip is like three weeks long and I get to that three-week point, um, if I'll have experienced it at all yet or if it's only if you know, like you're here for a while, that's probably, you still probably are wearing those glasses always, as we say, if you just have it in your mind that it's for a short period of time. It's for a you know more limited period of time than when how long you guys go for. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think... Um, let me, I'm trying to think of a time where we had a short trip and experienced negative culture shock. It would be kind of like, for example, if you go to Asia, you'll notice that personal space in certain countries like South Korea isn't really an issue. Mm -hmm. And so if you're on a short trip, you'll be noticing that if you visit Seoul, South Korea, people are going to be jostling you when you're getting on the subway a Mm -hmm. lot more than they would in New York or England or different countries like that. People push and shove. And in that culture, pushing and shoving just isn't considered a rude thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're there on a short holiday, it's those uh, really immediate differences that you might notice. So you might have right. that kind of culture shock. Right. But if you're there for longer, then it starts getting in, into the, you know, you're shopping for food. You can't find the food you like. You can't find, you know, banking is a lot more difficult or communication yeah. at work is different. Mm. All those sorts of things. For sure. For sure. We like to feature new guest episodes so that you can hear new voices and get new ideas, but make sure you don't miss a single episode. Hit subscribe now on your podcast player wherever you listen, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or any other player. Go ahead and hit subscribe now. Thanks, guys. So uh, my better listeners are thinking, well, what can we do about culture shock, you know, that they've experienced this as well, right? For sure, guys, we know that this is hard for you. So Eric and Grace are basically experiencing culture shock over and over because this is, you know, their amazing life that they've chosen to travel around, do the slow travel. So could you give us a couple of tips um, on what people can do to kind of get past culture shock? Sure. So one of the biggest things that really helps us is learning the why behind cultural customs. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like what I was giving the example of pushing and shoving on the subway. Right. 
that's something where when Americans or, you know, Westerners go to Korea, they're really shocked by, oh, you know, people don't stand in line here the way they do back home where they push people. And that can mm. seem really abrasive. But if you start learning about the cultural differences and like, you know, in the in America, we have certain things that are considered polite and rude. And yeah. over there, they have different things that are considered polite and rude. And then you can realize that, no, people aren't just being rude. You know, it's, they have a different standard of what politeness and rudeness is. So right. let me see. I have one example I could give, which is when I first moved to Korea, I was really confused by the custom of passing things with two hands. Mm -hmm. And you've probably seen this if you've seen any K-dramas or Korean pop mm -hmm. movies. When people hand things from one person to another person, they always do it with two hands. And the first hand will be holding the item, and the second hand is under that first hand supporting it. And mm -hmm. that really confused me at first, because if you don't do that, then it's rude if you hand something to someone. Hmm. And so by learning the origin of that custom, it started to make a lot more sense. The origin is basically way back in the day in Korea, people wore these clothes called hanbok. They had super long sleeves, very long sleeves. And so when you handed things to someone, you kind of had to lift up the sleeve with one hand when you're mm -hmm. handing it in order to keep the sleeve from getting in the way. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, you know, the sleeves have gone, but people keep that same tradition of holding one hand under the other. And so learning the why behind customs makes a big difference and helps you not be frustrated by them. That's really interesting. I think that we all have to, you know, think about that because if, yeah, like you said, if you just kind of, oh, why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? And maybe this is rude or weird or whatever. If you look at things like that, you are going to get so frustrated and you're going to get in your bubble and you're not going to want to, you know, experience where you are. And I think that that frustration will just kick in. So I think that that's great advice. Uh, what is something else that our listeners can do with culture shock? Uh, well, one of the things that we found to be really helpful to get over culture shock and overcome that was just by getting involved in the local community, attending events or festivals. It, it kind of helps you to realize you're not an island, you're not alone, you're not isolated, and becoming part of this greater community in your new place, wherever you've chosen to move to, is one of the best ways to make you feel at home and assimilate and help you get plugged in. Um, when we when we visited England, well, we were there for a couple of months, so I would say it was a little bit longer than just a visit. But when we went to England last year, one of the things that helped us to get over that culture shock that we were feeling was to attend local festivals and get to know people. We made it a point to go around and meet people, meet the, the vendors and the stalls and stuff yeah. like that. And um, we found out who was living in the area and we made it a point to meet up with them during the week. And so just getting plugged in really helps you overcome culture shock and helps you to feel that you aren't alone. It's, yeah, it's yeah. honestly one of our favorite things is just meeting people and yeah, for sure. really helps overcome that initial culture shock. For sure. That's wonderful. And I mean, if you are in a place also where uh, they where you don't speak the language, um, that can obviously be intimidating as well. Um, so, I mean, I suppose just getting out there and, you know, not staying and just looking at your book, but finding ways to interact with the community. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
it puts a face on that new culture, all those differences that you learn, you learn about when you first arrive and making friends with the people that live in that place helps you realize, you know, these aren't just, it's not just this, and you know, faceless foreign culture that I'm in, but these, this culture has names and these are the friends and the people that I'm creating here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, These are really, really good tips. And I I just feel like you guys have so much wisdom (laughs) for our (laughs) listeners. For me, even I love hearing uh, these stories. And um, thank you so much um, for coming on the show and giving, uh, telling your story and sharing your tips. And I know we have a lot more to learn from you. So I hope that we can have you on again. Um, So tell us, I mean, well, before I get to that, guys, I just want to say, you know, I know maybe you, we are able to travel right now. Maybe we're uh, not able to travel as much, but guys, keep this in mind for when you do get a chance to get out there, um, you know, keep these tips in mind. Remember what Eric and Grace are telling you, getting involved in the community, learning the why behind the customs. This is going to be really important for you. And, you know, don't get in your bubble, right? Try your English out if you're in a place where you're practicing your English, right? Don't be afraid for sure. Um, Eric and Grace, where can we find you? You guys have an incredible YouTube channel. Yeah. So if you want to connect with us, you can connect with us on YouTube at Wandering Ravens. That's the name of our channel, Wandering Ravens, like the blackbird. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a Facebook page by the same name and a blog. If you want to, to swing by our blog and see some posts that we publish there, that's wanderingravens.org. Okay. Amazing. I love it, guys. You've got to check out their videos. They are so much fun. So you will definitely be entertained over there. Get to know the Wandering Ravens. Eric and Grace Coleman, thank you so much for coming on. Um, that was really interesting. And enjoy uh, you, the rest of your travels. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to All Ears English. If you are taking IELTS this year, get your estimated band score with our two-minute quiz. Go to allearsenglish.com slash my score. And if you believe in connection, not perfection, then hit subscribe now to make sure you don't miss anything. See you next time.